I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello everyone and welcome to your Sunday night edition of the TII podcast. My name is Craig Dennett and joining me for the first the first show of the new season as we're calling it. I've got Ian, how are we doing Ian? Very good, yeah, very excited to get going. I was just saying it feels like a while since I've been here, so now we're ready to go. Absolutely, it's been a long three weeks since we were last podcasting. JB, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, mate. Yeah, good to get back to talking about Rangers after a, after a wee gap. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Absolutely. And there's plenty to talk about tonight. There's been um, loads of early transfer activity on the go at Rangers. There's been rumour after rumour about who could be joining us, who might be joining us, and who's definitely not joining us. So, we'll get we'll touch on all of that. We'll, we'll speak about um, where we still think the gaps are in the team. We'll uh, we'll talk a wee bit about the, the, the Champions League path that we've got in qualifying as well, and then a wee bit about the expectations for the season as well. As, as, as always, please add in comments. We'll bring up as many comments as we can as we go through the show. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know your opinions. If you, if you agree with us, then great. If you don't agree with us, then even better. Stick them in there and we'll, we'll definitely get bring them up on the screen and, and discuss them. Um, we've got a few um, new listeners along with us as well already. Um, so welcome to you and welcome to everyone who's listened to us before as well. Ian, it's been a busy um, three weeks, I guess. The transfer window has only opened for for a, for a short period of time so far. If it, um, but it's been a busy three weeks for Rangers. We've got four signings in the door already. Um, Kieran Dill signed before we've even played our last game of the season. Uh, Dujon Stellan, Jack Butland and Sam Lammers have joined. Actually, when I was putting together the agenda for the podcast, I had already forgotten that Jack Butland was a new signing. So that was a that was nearly a full path to start the, to start the day. Um, are you happy to see our business being done early, Ian? Yeah, massively. I think it's something we've failed on over the years. Um, just getting these guys in the door, getting them used to Glasgow's lifestyle, getting used to the club, teammates, stuff like that. Having them in 
sort of ready to go before pre-season's even kicked off. I think it's a massive plus um, to get things as stable as possible because I think we all know there's going to be a lot of change over this summer. Obviously, there's been some already, but probably more to come. So, yeah, sooner the better for me. JB, were you surprised that there was so many so early on? No, uh, to Ian's point there, I think that's what we've what we've really needed. Uh, there's nothing worse than going into certainly when you go into these Champions League qualifiers, and then you you just know that you're three or four players behind where you need to be. Uh, that was one of the big mistakes the year after we won the league. It was almost a case of we didn't look ready. Uh, we brought in one or two, uh, but I don't think any of them particularly strengthened the start eleven. Um, so I think these guys that are coming in, all of them, you can see they've all got a, a part to play. Um, I think one thing that's came in that looks in common with all of the signings, uh, I know we'll probably go into a wee bit more detail, but there's they all seem to be players who've got that potential to potentially kick on, uh, which which as we know from Michael Bailey talks a lot about uh, improving players and progressing them, and I really like the profile of them in terms of the physicality and um, and the fact that they can play a number of different hybrid roles as well. So yeah, no, pleased with where we are so far. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, JB, and we'll, we'll, we're just about to sort of break into each of the signings individually and get our thoughts on, on where they are and where they might fit into the squad. But that, a couple of things I've noticed as well is that, firstly, they're all six foot plus, which is um, maybe a sign as to how Michael Beale might be looking to approach games uh, as, we, as we head into next year with a bit more physicality than we saw um, last season and uh, potentially we were we, I think we all kind of thought we were a wee bit small as a team um, last season, particularly when um, we've got James Tavernier lumping balls into, lumping's probably a bit harsh, but um, mm. majestically crossing balls into into the box for, for people to try and get in the end of. And um, and there, obviously there have not been that sort of presence there uh, last season, so that'll be interesting to see how that helps us. And, and like you say, they all seem to be players with potential that have maybe lost their way a little bit. Yeah. I've seen a few, seen a few people saying, "Have we got too many people? You're not going to be successful with, with every single player that's lost their way and and getting them back to to their full form." Like I guess we've seen because Todd Cantwell was in the exact same position in January, and and he's he's come in and he's he's definitely hit the ground running. It's fair to say. So it'll be interesting to see how how that develops as well. But like you said, JB, a, a major. Um, some major surgery going on in the squad as we as we speak, and uh, it's been a, a very good start. Ian, I'm going to start with I guess the first guy through the door, Kieran Dow, free free transfer from um, from Norwich. Todd Cantwell was asked about him, and I think it was one of the final uh, post match press conferences of the season, and he said um, it was he was very non committal at that point because it hadn't been announced, but he, he basically said if Kieran Dow was was to come to Rangers, he think he thought the fans would be. Would be de- we'd be delighted with that and, and his way of play. What are your thoughts on that signing and obviously his his position and and the team as well? Very excited for that one in particular. To be honest, um, I think it's there's a few people who seem to be not that bothered about him signing for whatever reason. I think because he's not quite as sexy a signing as Cantwell was at the time. It's obviously very similar, come from the same club and stuff. But he was very well thought of a few years ago and came through. I think it was Everton. I want to say. GB will know more than me, but I'm, you sort of heard of him at that time. He was always good in like football manager games and stuff like that. So I always had a wee eye on him. But as a player, I think he suits what we need a little bit because we've got a lot of midfielders just now, central midfielders in particular, who are good at that sort of defensive or covering or shuttler kind of role. Whereas he seems like the kind of guy that wants the ball and wants to create things, which 
I think we, we dropped points in games last season so many times when it wasn't, it was like that back 10-year almost playing domestically. And there's just too many passes, like sideways passes, where he seems like the kind of guy that will either take a shot on, which we don't do enough, or find that killer pass, which we don't do enough. So for a free, a guy, again, a great like, sort of age profile. I think he's, what, 24, 25. He's had a few injuries here and there, so there's always that little risk with it. But if we can keep him fit, which is not a thing I want to say too much this season, but if he stays fit, I think he can be a very promising player for us and somebody we could probably make a good bit of money on. Obviously, he's English, so that's always going to be that little English tax on him. So, no, I like it a lot. Yeah, a point of comments comments talking about people being delighted about um, the transfer business being started early on. Um, we've obviously got the Champions League qualifiers coming up in, in the hours. We can get um, new bodies into the squad and integrated into how Michael Bill wants him to play. The better, Jamie, sticking with, with Kieran Dow, um, as Ian mentioned, you're, you've been to a few Everton games. Your, bro- your brother's an Everton fan. Scott Cameron, our fellow podcaster, said, won't, ju- won't just be a squad player and signing definitely went under the radar. Is he is Kieran Dow one you're, you're happy to see signed on the dotted line and, and playing for Rangers next season? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was one I was quite familiar with, and he's one he's, he's somebody I've kept kind of kept an eye on because there was big hopes from Everton. Uh, I think the thing where he was missing uh, to play in the Premier League with a with all due respect, probably a mid mid table club like Everton was he was probably just missing that extra yard of pace that you need down there. Uh, in terms of being able to accelerate away from players. It was never questioned his ability in terms of on the ball. I mean, if you look at some of his Everton goals for like Everton under-23s and or even the England under-21s, he knows where he knows where the back of the net is from distance. I think to Ian's point, that's something that we've really missed, especially against we, we come up against these teams in Scotland with the low block. You can probably name on one hand the amount of players who, who've looked up and been able to have a little dig from the edge of the box. I think that's one thing that uh, we missed last year with Lawrence. Um, I think we either probably, I'm convinced he either hit double figures for goals last year. Um, I think as well with Dal as well, one of the things you'll see, you'll see with him, he'll protect the ball really well. So once we're up the pitch, he, he's not wasteful. Um, very much, very composed, Will can, can go either way, uh, predominantly left-footed. Uh, but certainly, and again, that probably shows that lack of pace and the fact that you'll never see him popping up on the left wing. He'll probably more come in from the right. Um, actually, very similar to Lammers, and then we'll get to him shortly. But in terms of the profile and the style, uh, the two of them seem to have a lot of similar characteristics. But he's gone down to the English, he's gone down to the English Championship, which isn't an easy league. Uh, and the fact he's continued to deliver some of the numbers there um, speaks speak volumes. And the fact that it looks like his career dropped off at Norwich at the same time as Cantwell. Um, can't be a bad thing. I think that's going to be the strap line for any new signings over the, the next couple of windows. Well, Cantwell, uh, Cantwell's career dropped off, so we'll be able to revitalise. But um, yeah, no, he's one I'm definitely looking forward to, and I think he'll. Um, I think he's another one that will hit double figures for goals for us, which is which is something we desperately missed. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, JB, in terms of the the goal contribution side of things. It's not it's not an aspect of his game that I had particularly noticed beforehand. I'd I'd seen that someone scored, had seated, um, had a screenshot of him. I think scoring against Man City or Man United in one of the games in the Premier League, but it wasn't something that I had necessarily thought about him bringing to his game. Ian, in terms of that that midfield. Um, that midfielder bursting forward and um, it's something we've not had a great deal of for a, for a number of years now in terms of a goal-scoring midfielder and someone who's going to consistently 
be able to find the back of the net from um, from the edge of the box. Is that something that excites you about Dill? Yeah, I think especially losing Arfield, who's the one in our midfield who can do that. Um, obviously, he's not started that many games because when he starts, he's not too effective for whatever reason. But I think we did have to replace that because, like you say, the guys we've got left there, Lundstrom, Jack, Raskin, they're not going to get you more than five goals a season. So you need someone to be chipping in the numbers because, as, as JB touched on, we've not had enough of that over the years. If Morelos isn't scoring and Tav's not scoring, no one else really is. So now with Morelos gone, we need that spread out front, middle, even some centre-backs chipping in now and again, but hopefully Dill's the start of that. I think, yes. Sorry, Craig, just jump in there as well. I think one of the things we'll see with our with our centre-forward, who we'll get to shortly, I think having guys like Dow and um, Lawrence, Hadji, if he's kicking about, having these guys who are prepared to take a shot from distance didn't suit Alfredo Morelos, who we built our team around over the last over the last few years and he wasn't a poacher he didn't used to follow up on chances he tended to be standing on the right wing or the left wing or just not look he wasn't wasn't hungry to score goals um, i happen to believe the number nine that will sign will be someone that'll be looking for that second ball off a goalkeeper uh, without comparing uh, too much to the, the team over the other side of the city that's what kyogo's been very good at is just being right on the between the penalty spot on the goal line uh, Chris Boyd was brilliant at it. Super Ali was brilliant at it. Um, so definitely, that's that, that's definitely one we've missed over the last few years. So our whole style of play uh, with a new number nine and having these players that can play in behind and get shots away, um, I do think it genuinely will revolutionise us in terms of um, the way that we go moving forward. Yeah, I completely agree in terms of the the style of number nine, the style of striker that we need either into next season and. The, the vast difference from the type of striker that we had in terms of Alfredo Morelos and even to a certain extent um, Antonio Cholak as well last season. Um, there's a whole other conversation in there about what Kamar Roof can potentially offer if he's fit, but we, like Ian said, we don't want to say if he's fit or if they can stay fit very often or if at all this season. So we'll, 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 we'll stay away from that one just now. Ian, the, the next person through the door was was Dujon Sterling, uh, which was a really interesting one, given um, James Tavernier's role in the team as, as our captain and as our, I guess, mainstay right back for the last seven, eight years, as it has been. And he signed a new contract last summer. So he's, he was expected or is expected, I believe, to still be our starting right back as, it, as we enter the new season. There's been discussion around should Borna, should Borna Barisic still be our starting left back? Um, also, Red Van Yilmaz showed up well, I felt, in the last four or five games of the season um, as we came towards the summer. Dujon Sterling can reportedly play right back or left back, and I believe he could even fill in at left centre half, if I've, if I've read that correctly. Where do you, well, firstly, what did you think of his signing, a, a product of the Chelsea Youth Academy? Um, he's been out in a few different places, Blackpool fans raved about him. Um, when uh, Rangers fans were were inquiring what kind of player he was like, he, he looks really promising from the videos I've seen. I guess you can make any player look good in, in YouTube clips or YouTube videos. What, what are your thoughts on on his signing and I, I guess the profile of his signing as well and where the, where that might fit him into the squad? Yeah, um, as a player, I've never seen him live, to be honest, so I can't say how he is. As you say, we're just going off clips really, but it is quite a telling sign that you saw Blackpool fans and Stoke fans both raving about him. I think Stoke were quite upset they'd not managed to keep him at their end, so that's a massively good sign for us. 
Um, obviously came through at Chelsea, which is no mean feat. It's a lot of players go through Chelsea and get released very early, so the fact he's been on the books up until this age must, again, be promising for him. Um, Profile-wise, he's a great age, as I mentioned there, but I think it allows us a lot more versatility at the back. As you said, right-back, left-back, centre-back. Anyone who's seen me on a pod before knows that I tend to plug playing five at the back for Rangers. I think he's massively key if we are doing that kind of thing because Goldson's not getting dropped, Tav's not getting dropped. From what I've seen of Sterling, doesn't seem like that kind of out-and-out left-back. I mean, again, I could be totally wrong we're playing inverted or something now, but I think he has more the option, maybe looking at Europe a little bit more if we're playing a back five. You know, it's, we did kind of get humbled a little bit in the Champions League this year, but I know we are trying to get back in there, so probably a change of shape in Europe would make a lot of sense to me. Again, going to Parkhead, maybe some of the, the tougher away games as well in the league would make a bit of sense, but it's a good option to have at least. Um, and yeah, as you say, the clips you see, he looks powerful, he looks pacey, strong, loves a tackle, so I'm sure he'll get a lot of bookings up here, but Again, it, it, there's no real negative that I can see with this one. Same idea as Dowell. It's sort of risk-free. So the kind of guy, if he comes up and does well, puts in a good few shifts, we can make a lot of money off him yet again. So, yeah, buzzing with it again. Yeah, JB, what's positivity from Ian so far? A couple of comments about Sterling coming in. Uh, William says Chelsea offered him a new contract, but he turned it down. Um, RFC 72 says crazy was ahead of Reese James and was a way to break into the first team before that mysterious illness he got but very happy with that signing there does seem to be a lot of positivity around this one I did wonder as Ian said if we were if he was signed with the idea of potentially playing three at the back in in some games um, but overall he does seem uh, a very good signing a very positive signing with the the profile and I guess the the experience he's had in his early football career yeah, no, definitely. I think when you consider it, I think he's, he's 23, isn't he, there or thereabouts? And he's played just shy of 100 games in either the Championship or League One. So to get that experience under your belt, um, I was actually speaking to a Stoke fan in work on was that Thursday, Friday, and they were saying one of the things that they loved about him, that he just loved to tackle. Uh, that was kind of backed up with his RTV interview and the fact that he spoke about loving and enjoying defending. Um, I think someone just popped that uh, saying he, he was classic Stoke. One of the things they said about him was if the winger got the ball, he would run at them full pelt. Um, so the way we kind of sometimes have seen Tavernier, sometimes can maybe stand off. Um, even Barisic the same on the opposite side, very much stand off and wait to see whether they can outspart them. This lad doesn't mess about; he's just right through, right through them, no messing. So, um, I think to Ian's point as well, I am also a massive fan of um, three at the back. So I just think with the the profile of player that we've got now um, and the options that we've got, I think it would be very naive not to see it at some point in pre-season. Uh, and as we said, as you step into them Champions League games, then it's definitely there. I think even domestically as well. Uh, I think if all three are good enough on the ball, it gives you an extra midfield man. Uh, we've seen Man City do it. We've seen Chelsea do it over the years as well, certainly under Conte. Um, so it's not going to be about five at the back. But one thing it will also do is give you a good aerial threat in both boxes. Uh, so when we are coming up against the jobbers and stuff in the SPL, a lot of the, their biggest threats going to be from set pieces and stuff. So if you have got if you are filling your back line full of guys that are six foot one, six foot two, um, then yeah, um, I think it'll also be interesting as well. It just depends on what, what, what he's coming in for. Um, that might make, maybe make a decision on what the plan is going to be with Yilmaz and Barisic. 
Um, I know there's another, obviously, Panzer we've been linked with as well, um, who can also play that left-hand side of a three or into left-back as well. So, no, um, as he inflicts on, another, another pleasing signing. Um, and in terms of uh, representing England, uh, I know that doesn't always stand for a lot, but if you think of the amount of choice the England camps have got, um, I was just reading earlier, he's got 25 caps for the under-19s, so that's a really hard group to break into. Um, and so, yeah, another one who appears to be really well thought of. And if Chelsea had a hat off him a new contract, then uh, they've obviously seen something in there to say that he was robust enough to play in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, no, another one that we're pleased with. So, this is good, isn't it? I like this. I like the way we're rolling. <laughs> yeah, watch a positivity to start the podcast, or, yeah. um, start the season off. Let's hope it continues. Um, JB, the, the um, attributes there you described about him, immediately pressing the winger as soon as they have the ball and and going forward and not giving them that time. It's a it's a complaint we've heard time and time again about James Tavernier and Borna Barisic that they stand off. They let too many crosses come into the box and hopefully um hopefully that's a, a real difference that we that we see um, next season if Dujon still is to come in and, and play in that left back role. If he were to JB English that you if he were to come in and play that that left back row, what do you think that means for um, Borna Barisic in particular, I guess? Um, because he's obviously been our mainstay yep. back over recent seasons. Lots of people seem to think, me included, that he is the he's reached the end of his cycle with Rangers and it's time for him to move on. What do you think, what do you think this means for, for Borna Barisic in particular? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I think I'm genuinely split 50-50 down the middle um, with Barisic and Yilmaz and the fact that but, um, if, if we could get the money back on Yilmaz, um, that would be an interesting conversation to have in terms of the outlay. I did think at the time it was an excessive amount for a position that, with all due respect, isn't going to be a super important position. Not as if you sign a James Tavernier, who you know is going to have X amount of goal contributions. Um, I think Barisic, in terms of the... He's worth more to us at the club than what he is losing him for 250, half a million. I think he adds more value uh, than that. Albeit, I've never been, I'm not, I've never been a massive fan of him uh, in general. I think he's, uh, as we know, he's uh, he's got the the habit to hide certainly in some of the big games. Um, but he's, I don't think he's ever really let us down in Europe. Um, so I think in terms of what we need in the in the type them types of competitions. I'm genuinely split between Barisic and Yilmaz if we were to get the money back. But I love what I see from Yilmaz so far. Um, I think the old firm was kind of a wee bit of a coming of age for him. Um, he had a, a couple of daft decent performances, I think, away at Motherwell last year, other than the first goal. He um, he looked to show what he had. He's got something on the ball. Um, the game towards the tail end of the season, he put a through ball, I think it was the fashion, uh, that threw it down the left-hand side. And he showed that, that again, different option that Barisic hasn't got. Um, so I think it's just going to be a watch this space. I won't be too disappointed either way uh, with the left-back position, but uh, we've definitely got another lad in here who can certainly uh, keep the players on the toes, if nothing else. 
Yeah, Ian, one of the points that JB mentioned was that we are in for, I think it's Jonathan Panzo, um, as well as who is also a, a left-sided centre-half, if I'm, if I'm correct. The fact that Dujon Sterling can play left-centre-half and also Jonathan Panzo, we'll come on to talk about the wider squad refresh later on in terms of the people we obviously need to, we need to start selling people as well. But just because we're on that point just now, what do you think the, the profile of those two signings potentially means for Ben Davies' future at the club? Yeah, that was my first thought as soon as Panzo was mentioned, whether it's like on Twitter rumours or in our chat kind of thing. Um, I'm not too bothered because I, I don't dislike Davies, to be honest. I feel like I'm one of the few people that still thinks he's fine. But I also realise that fine isn't quite good enough. Um, so it goes back to what JB was saying. I'm about 50-50 with him that if we were to sell to the Championship for three, I think we bought them for like three rising to four, so that kind of figure, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Um, but likewise, if the Panzo deal falls through, I know there's, you see quite a lot of interest in him from like the Bundesliga and stuff, so I don't think we're the only club in for him. So if Panzo falls up flat on its face and Davies has to stay, quite happy with it, to be honest. Um, again, I think he suits a back five a little bit more than he would a back four, just with like being good on the ball. But he does have that tendency to Maybe getting bullied is a little harsh, but he's not the most aggressive of defenders. So if you've got someone like Sterling beside him and Goldson beside him, and then give him that little bit of comfort that he can do his work on the ball a little bit more than having to like win headers against Curtis Main, for example. Um, so again, he's only had one season in Scotland. He's going to get used to it a bit more. Davies will improve, I think. Get a consistent run of games always helps and things like that. But yeah. It's a bit of a boring answer, but if he goes, not that bothered. If he stays, not that bothered. Um, and Panzo wise, I, I think Panzo's younger, I'm sure. He's, he's still, but so I guess, I think he's at 22, 23, the same, same age. There's definitely a theme here. He's, he's that good age that if he did come in and excel, you're again looking at multi millions for someone, hopefully. But it seems to have gone a little bit quiet for me, the Panzo one, just out of nowhere. But whether that's a good sign or not, who knows? Yeah, I have to agree. I'm. I was, I'm in the same camp as you with Ben Davies that I was quite happy with him, if I was honest. I thought he was I thought he was solid enough. I thought he um I really liked how he could play with the ball at his feet and he was playing different styles of passes that that we to those that we were seeing beforehand in the, in the seasons previously. Um but I think it was it's just that run of games that he had without Connor Golson beside him that just had yeah. niggles away in the background of your head and you're like, is there someone who will be a bit more solid? Is there someone who potentially will be a wee bit braver in, in the tackle? Albeit I thought Ben Davies shepherded the vast majority of strikers pretty well um in, in games with in the games that we played outside of the Champions League. So um so I think it'll be interesting with him. But I'm probably in the same place you are Ian in terms of if he stays absolutely fine with me. If he goes and we get the money back for him, absolutely fine as well. So I don't think we're in the I don't think we're in the game of buying players for a season and then getting rid of them again. I think we're in for the a bit of the longer haul than that, probably two to three seasons out of any player that we um that we buy. But um on this occasion, if the he was a Giovanni Van Bronckhorst signing, if um Michael Beale thinks a bit differently and wants to go a different direction, then I guess that's understandable as well. Um JB, one of the major talking points of last season was who was going to be our starting goalkeeper. Um, John McLaughlin got the nod at the start of the season. Um, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, I think, quickly regretted that decision, although that came as a surprise 
to me as well because anytime John McLaughlin had been in, he'd played well, he'd been really solid, he'd made the saves, um, and he, he he was one of these goalkeepers that came out a bit as well for crosses, which was something that Al McGregor wasn't really doing anymore. Um, Al McGregor came in, and I think we saw that it was a season too far for him. He's, he's a Rangers legend, of course. There's no doubt in that, but it was a, it was a season too far. Jack Butland is our new number one. He was uh, Manchester United's uh, substitute goalkeeper, third choice goalkeeper. I can't quite remember, um, but he was obviously at Crystal Palace before that. He's he's played he's played for England. He tore up trees when he was at um, Stoke first time round. What did, what did you make of, of him signing a dotted line? I thought it was a really good signing for us to make and it make LA doors as well. Yeah, I think it's one that was obviously mooted for a while. So it kind of all gave us a chance to get our head round him in terms of do a wee bit of research, see what he was good at, see what he was particularly poor at. He obviously screams of somebody who um, who plays on confidence. Um, let's, let's have it right in terms of uh, some of the teams he's played for. He's, they've been backs against the wall. Do you know what I mean? So, and I, I love the fact he, he made the comments in his um, in his uh, RTV interview about talking around. He knows I'm not. He's not going to be busy for ninety minutes. So, in terms of he knows he needs to be switched on, and he and he said something interesting, which he says he's going to be able to show a different side to his game, which he hasn't been able to show before. Um, so that would be interesting. That indicates to me he's going to be relatively comfortable on the ball potentially, because at the end of the day, keep the ball up the net, come for crosses, and um. And, be able to play there, kind of your your three big tick boxes. But um, a lot of the people that I've spoke to, they very much say he's, he's a he's a leader, um, and he's very much he's a talker on the pitch. Uh, now we obviously know McGregor could talk, but it tended to be more of a rant. Uh, I don't know whether he was a coordinator of people. Um, so that will be that will be interesting to see. I know McLaughlin was a could, could organise the the back line. Um, he was someone that was very vocal. But I think with uh, Butler coming in, he seems to be. It's, a, it's almost a freshness, isn't it? So it's almost someone that's coming in. He ticks the box in terms of the um, the profile. So again, six foot four, six foot five. Um, so he's he's got, he's going to cover one hell one hell of a goal. And something that we haven't had for a number of years is actually a big uh, a big in, intimidating goalkeeper. Um, again, another player, and this is probably going to be the strap line for a wee while in terms of someone whose career who's just dropped off a hill, dropped off a cliff. Uh, but the fact that Manchester United uh, wanted him, um, he was he, he's been capped on a number of occasions from England. He was obviously the the Great Britain goalie going back a number of years. Came through all the England youth groups, so he's he's got a lot going for him. I think it is just going to be one of them ones we he needs to get in early, uh, get a couple of big wins under his belt, and um, and yeah, I don't see any reason why he can't be successful. Um, again, without comparing um, too much to the other side of the city. Um, Joe Hart's career was going absolute nowhere and he's come in and done a steady job for them, you know what I mean, I wouldn't say he's a world beater, I'm sure if you put a highlight package together for Joe Hart at his time across the, the city um, there's nothing spectacular kind of sticks out except for the fact he's won trophies and at the end of the day if Jack Butler comes in and he's not spectacular but he wins trophies, then it's going to get the thumbs up from me and obviously the Rangers family as well, so yeah, he's one I'm looking forward to seeing, but I kind of feel as if he's been with us for a wee while. Because I think I kind of accepted that when he was first linked, he was always coming. Uh, I've got similar vibes with Josh Maggi. I don't know why. His name was mentioned in January and kind of just, I kind of got used to the fact that he's coming, uh, even though um, that one's not over the line. So, yeah, one to, another one to look forward to. Yeah, I, I agree with you on, on Josh Maggi, and we'll come back to talking about him 
um, shortly when we go into where where do we still feel the gaps are and, and who do we still want to see um, come in profile-wise. But Ian JB spoke really well on Jack Butland there. Um, just to give the other side of the coin, I guess, RFC72 says, I'm worried about Butland, but hope I'm proved wrong. Not played in three seasons, and before that was very shaky, making a lot of mistakes, especially for the high wages, signing on fee, and for four years. What side of the coin do you sort of land on and um, what are you your thoughts on, on Jack Butlin signing? It'll be a bit weird, I guess, for us all to see a new a new goalkeeper in in between the sticks for Rangers, I guess. But what are your thoughts on, on him uh, signing the dotted line? It'll be weird, but it's it's long overdue, um, sadly. Um, I think it does say a lot, though, that I think a few comments said he was offered another deal at Man United. I think he was on, what, 40, 50k uh, more than that, even 50k a week. So he could have very easily took the easy job here, stayed in where he lives, stayed with his family, all settled, sitting on a bench for a season. It's the dream gig, as we all speak about, but he's shown that he wants to come up, he wants to challenge himself and, and win trophies for himself, not just as a background member. Um, Ross in the comments touched on his RTV interview. He said a lot of good things, a lot of little nice snippets and stuff. So he, he showed a lot of experience that interview, I think, which, like you say, he's played for England, he's came through all the youth levels at that level he's played the Premier League he has got a lot of experience so it's a bit of a risk the four-year thing I, I do agree with that comment because he's not shown his best for what four or five years which is a bit of a worry but I mean Cantwell was quite similar there's there's certainly more positives I think than negatives with this one but even as a worst case scenario it's a funny situation that I've went from having no confidence in our goalies to now having two goalies in the books that I'm quite happy with. I mean, I don't think McCrory's going to start a lot now, which is a bit annoying, but he's shown enough in that last few weeks of the season that he's capable. You know, he's a, if he was number one going forward, I wouldn't be devastated. So if Butland does come in and I don't know how bad it can go, but it does go terribly the first few months, then we've got a pretty reliable guy sitting in the wings waiting to go. So we're in quite a strong position in goalkeeper suddenly, which is, is ideal. JB, Ian mentioned there the length of the contract. Obviously, four years is potentially seems a bit longer than when you're taking... It's hard to say a bit of a punt on someone, but when you're giving someone a chance that's potentially not been playing first-team football for, for two or three seasons, do you think that's just a price of doing business in terms of, with these kind of players, trying to attract them north of the border? And instead of, obviously, he, he had the option to go to Manchester United, probably pick up quite significantly more money and sit on the bench. He's obviously decided to come here, take a drop in wages and wants to play. Is that more of a positive for you and, and, and a reason to, to give him that longer contract? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the options on the table probably would have been a a 80 grand a week contract at Manchester United, not, potentially not even playing EFL games or, as you say, the third choice, just turning into a... Um, who's the boy at uh, Man City? His name's escaped me. Uh, two times Champions Carson. League winner. Yeah. Carson, yeah. So you could potentially turn into a guy like that and then that's you just in the, in the goalkeeper wilderness. I think if you'd have had a year there doing that again and then uh, somebody was then coming to look for him, I don't, I don't, I'd either been dreaming if you'd, have got, if you'd have been looking for a four-year contract after potentially not doing anything for what would have then been another year. So I think for the fact he's come in, uh, for him and his young family, uh, the security of having that four-year contract, I think, would be good. But I'd love nothing more than to come in and have a fantastic couple of years and then go and have another crack at the Premier League. Um, if he does well with us, if he gets a, a big move or a decent move, um, he's still young at 30. 
So if he can go down and get another big move, then it means he's done something well with us. Um, I think it's very low risk, this one. Um, in terms of the money that he could pick up um, going back down to England, even if it doesn't work out well, he could probably still get that backup gig uh, back down there again. So it feels low risk for me. As you say, the wages are high, um, but I think the I think the reward outweighs the risk for, on this one for me. So, um, And I think uh, Ross touched on it in the comments there in terms of the... He, he, when he was speaking, he almost looked as if he had that determination that, right, I'm here and I want to show what I can do. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing him, as I said earlier. Yeah, and we'll round off with Scottish Fitness comment, which is on the screen just now. Rangers keeper doesn't have to be involved a lot in games, but will need to come for corners and long balls, something he will do. I think he's a safe bet. Fingers crossed um, Scottish Fitness is correct with that one, and we'll see a really commanding goalkeeper that... Um, that has a much better save ratio than we saw last season from, from Alan McGregor. Moving on to what I think is probably one of the more controversial signings that we've seen so far, particularly if you go by Rangers Twitter. Um, he's the one that I, I, I guess the the amateur scouts online on social media have, have really been delving into in terms of their transfer market subs subscription and that side of things. Um, Sam Lammers signed on the dotted line uh, during the week. Um, Dutch attacker. I'm going to go for the word attacker because I think he can play in a, a range of positions along that that front line. He signs from Atalanta. Um, he, he was previously at PSV and has been on loan at a, a range of clubs over over his career as well. Um, Ian, this was one which three and a half million pounds. Michael Beale said he was the first player that he spoke to um, in person when he was. Um, when he was starting to, to look at this summer's activity and, and the rebuild, I guess that probably comes from, I don't know if you remember, Michael Bull posted a, an Instagram story from, was it Rome, I think, or somewhere around there? And everyone was like, oh, who could he be speaking to? I guess that's that's who he was speaking to. Uh, sadly, not uh, Paolo Dybala, but um, maybe someday. Um, what did you make of, of Sam Lammer's signing? It, it definitely caused a bit of a, a bit of uproar. Um on social media amongst Rangers fans? Yeah, I feel there's a very divided line here between the the YouTube clips of Lammers and the stats of Lammers, two very different stories. Um, I, I think it it has all the potential to be a good signing because Serie A is a difficult league. It's a very defensive league. There's a lot of solid defenders in that league, so there's no shame not getting that many goals in Serie A for a guy who's not playing for one of the the top teams. I know Atlanta probably is, but he's, he's not played too much there recently. So I would then look at more of his time in Holland because that league's going to be more similar to us. So standards against defences you're going to see. So he, he ripped it up in Holland. He, he got 11, 11, pound, sorry, 11 million pounds, I think it cost Atlanta for him. So he's certainly no mug. Um, it just goes back to that same caveat of a, a lot of these signings. He has lost his way and it's now just about whether he can find his way with us go down the, the Cantwell route or if it's just again a bit risky here um, my big thing this summer was getting numbers in the team I, I think Dowell helps with that as we spoke about I don't know if Lammers does right now um, That time will tell on that but I think it's quite a clear strategy that he's not a winger and we don't seem to be linked with many wingers so we seem to be this more I, I don't know if we can say like the double tens positions or like a central position in some way, but it seems like we're getting quite stacked in that, like, the sort of role that Lawrence will play, Cantwell will play, 
I, I, okay, I've not seen too much of Lammers, but I don't think he's an out-and-out striker. I think he's more off the striker, maybe to the right a little bit, being left-footed naturally. I don't see him and Hadji working together, to be honest. I, I think, I know we'll come on to who's like staying and going, but all the clips I see, it's very Hadji-like, the way he plays. Obviously, he's left-footed, so that's just a natural comparison, but he seems to take up similar positions, take on the ball from similar ranges, take on players the same way, so... I think him coming in is a bit of a replacement for Hadji, which hasn't really been spoken about too much that I've seen. So I think we'll get that similar sort of money from him. So if it is an upgrade than that, then it makes sense. But I just don't want to be relying on Lammers going off the numbers that I see. Yeah, JB, I'm interested. Ian obviously mentioned the transfer fee that Atalanta paid for Sam Lammers. I think it was 13 million euros, which works out about the 11 million quid um, that, that Ian mentioned there. Um, that's no small amount of money at all um, on that side of things. What did you make of of the fan reaction to it? And a lot of people were have already written him off as, as a Rangers player and he's not even he's not even kicked a ball. What did you what did you make of that? Yeah, I think it was just it just probably summed up the bipolar Rangers support that wasn't it, you know, in terms of we're at, we're either on the roof or we're on the ceiling. Um I think in terms of yeah the fan reaction was it's always going to be received with mixed messages. Um I mean, if you go onto social media in terms of the the, um, the comments that you see, just to, to go from ridiculous to this guy's going to be the next Brian Loudrup, given the fact that Loudrup had done nothing in the previous three or four seasons before coming to sign for us. Big statement, by the way, not my words. Uh, but in terms of the um, the ability that the kids got, it's obviously there. I mean, if you sign play with the stats, signing players with stats, there's a guy there that scored twelve last year and eight goal assists in fashion to Carla. However, you just know that the the fifty fifty range of support would split him right down the middle as well. Uh, I mean, I know Scott Patterson's his biggest fan, but other than other than him, uh, I know there's a there's a massive divide within the ranges range support. But again, he delivers the numbers. So, do you want the guy that delivers the numbers, or do you want a guy that is going has got the potential to show how good he is? I think Ian makes the best point in terms of uh, the Dutch leagues very similar to ours um, in terms of the style, the physicality, the pace. So I think if we if we can rekindle that again, there's that word again of hoping to try and finally re- regain his magic. But um, again, looks the path in terms of uh, the clips that you've seen. He's been unfortunate in terms of some of the clubs that he's been to. I mean, is it who was he with last year? Was it Sampdoria? Was it, um, it Sampdoria? And it was Sampdoria. And again, teams who've had poor seasons. So it's almost the case of. These teams aren't going to create a lot of chances, so potentially the numbers are potentially going a wee bit against them. Um, I know a few lads that were at the Glaswegian Range Supporters Club um, end the season two, and Arthur Newman was the guest speaker, and uh, Arthur spoke really well about him in terms of the attributes that he's got. Uh, things just haven't worked out as he's gone to take on their major leagues. Um, so no, again, keep saying the same thing, but it's 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 a freshness. Um, I think the physicality, but not necessarily the physicality, but the profile of the player. Um, again, another six foot plus in there, um, and can give us potentially a, a different option. Seems to be able to carry the ball well. Um, and again, it's the only thing that is kind of missing from his game is the numbers. Uh, but he will have he'll have ten times the amount of chances he's probably had in the last five years. Um, and if you can uh, say rekindle the the PSV youth days and uh, when he stepped into the first team, hopefully uh, we're on to a diamond. So, yeah, looking forward to see what you can do as well. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, fingers crossed. I think I learned a long time ago um, not to judge a player until he's kicked a ball for the club. Um, and I'm going to stick to that one with all of these players and anyone else that comes in this summer. Um, to be fair, I did judge uh, Umar Sadiq as soon as he kicked a ball for us and I actually thought it was quite good in pre-season. So that shows how how much how much that can show as well. So um, it, it could go either way for them all, but I, I like the profile. I like the... Um, I like the potential that they all have and have shown previously in their career. I understand some of the, some of them have lost their way, and by law of averages, they're not all going to work out. But hopefully, it's it's many more hits uh, than misses on that front. Before we start to to look at some potential rumours and that side of things about who could be coming in, just uh, say hello to Dale Ritchie, who's watching from Los Angeles. Um, got people watching TII from all across the world. So welcome along, Dale, and hope to see you continuing watching uh, for the rest of the season. Ian, let's just have a look, I guess, more at four signings in the door. I think um, as we came towards the end of last season, a lot of people were throwing around, we need seven or eight new players to come in and, and, and refresh the squad from that perspective. Uh, Jose Cifuentes has uh, been heavily rumoured. He's obviously on international duty with Ecuador just now, and um, Cyril Dessers as well, um, who was at Cremonese last year in Serie A, has also been been heavily linked for a, a transfer fee of €5 million. Euros. Those are two potential players that, that could be coming in the door very soon. Um, for you, where are, the, where are the gaps still in the squad and, and where, do we, where do we really need to, to see players coming in over the next, um, I guess, week or two to give them the best shot of being integrated by the, the Champions League qualifiers? Yeah, I think a lot of it will come down to who we can get out the door. Um, funnily enough, I mean, I spoke about Hadji there, and I know we're going to kind of come on to who specifically we're going to be hoping to move on, but we still have a very big squad right now. Like, wages-wise, numbers-wise, there's a lot of bodies still there, even with losing who we've lost so far. Um, the two links you mentioned there, this is a little bit different from what I've been speaking about in terms of, like, the profile, I think, because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure he's... 30 or nearly 30. So he's, he's 28, I think, if I remember. Yeah, he's, he's not so much one that I would think will get profit on, unless he has like a remarkable season, obviously. But he, he seems to me like the Morelos replacement. He's the more like out and out number nine who I think will play. As we mentioned, um, Lammers is the off the striker kind of thing. So I think he'll be the guy to hopefully be our version of Kyogo, as much as I don't want to speak, as JB said, we want to speak about them much. But we do need someone that just stands there and puts the ball in the net because that's what we just didn't have last season and we would drop points. Um, so I think he could be a very good signing. Again, but it's gone a little bit quiet. I don't know if... I'm not in the know. I don't know if that's a good sign. I don't know if it's just background paperwork and stuff, but it seems to have slowed down a little bit. Um, Sifuentes, he looks very exciting for me, I think. He was rumoured to Brighton, so immediately I'm in. I mean, they don't miss, so... If Brighton were half interested, we should be all over it. Um, again, I know there's a lot more complications in that sense because of maybe where he's playing, he's got international duty, 
I think he had their version of the Champions League recently, so he's, he's got a lot going on. So I can understand that one taking a bit longer to come through, but I think he could be the, the key for us, really, in that sort of midfield role. I think we're all quite happy with Raskin. Cantwell's the star boy, so he's he's the man, but there is still a bit of a gap between someone that can just box the box, break the lines, score wonder goals for us, and, and he seems to tick a lot of boxes for me. So he's the one I'm very excited with in terms of the guys who are in the now and the guys we're linked with. He seems to be the one that's the marquee signing, I guess I would say, that I'm, I'm looking forward to. So by all means, hopefully that comes in. Yeah, absolutely. Robbie, RFC1872, saying Cifuentes is a, is a very good player um, from what I've seen on YouTube. And uh, we already said previously on, on here that don't judge every player you see by YouTube. Um, but I, I think he's been a really a really positive one from that aspect. RFC72 as, as well says, Cifuentes for me will be the signing of the summer. Every time I've seen him play, he's impressed me and it's what we've, we've missed uh, and in terms of a risk taker in midfield to put some foot in all over the park. Um, JB, Ian mentioned the the number nine position, I guess, and, and that's where I think many people are seeing uh, Cyril Dessers coming in. If, if he does come in, that'll be his position. There was a link earlier on today from uh, Greek media that uh, were, were in for uh, Tassos Duvikas from Utrecht. Um, Ian mentioned to me pre-podcast that he scored 20 goals in the Eredivisie uh, last year. Rumoured to be a fee of around eight million euros, which is a is, is a is a potential huge outlay for us. But I did say I think it was in the end of season podcast. I said that I hoped that the number nine position would be where we spent the biggest um, portion of money to get the the consistency um, of of finding the back of the net. Is is the number nine area where you think we really need to focus now? And what do you make of um, Cifuentes and? I, I imagine it would be one of Duvicas or, or Dessers that comes in. I can't imagine it would be both. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably throw Josh Madger into that mix as well in terms of the three, unless we're going to go out and try and get two number nines hype, which, to be honest, I don't think I'd have too many concerns about if you consider a year's got The fact that we went into a Europa League final without a striker, um, obviously with injuries to Morellas and Hadji, uh, Morellas and Ruth, sorry, um, was totally unacceptable and really poor planning when you consider the fact that we probably had 25 options in the midfield. So I think carrying too many strikers, um, if we can get them at the right price and the right deal, doesn't worry me too much. I think for me, um, I think the Greek lad, was I was going to call him because I wasn't going to try and but, uh, butcher his name like you just had, but um, he's, the one that's, he's the one that excites me, I think. I think uh, dresses seems to be a bit of a workhorse as opposed to a... Um, an out and out centre forward striker. Uh, I think a lot of the Kirby, the, you listen to some of the football experts. There was an interesting one on Rangers Review the other week talking around in terms of he wasn't particularly well thought of when his club first signed him, but then he, he grew on the fans because of his work rate and ability. Um, but again, is um, who in this Rangers squad other than Tavernier could score 10 goals in a European campaign? Um, we've got nobody left now that can do that. Obviously, we knew Alfie could do it when he was on top form. So, um, if he was to come in, I do think he would he'd definitely offer something. I think he'll be a wee bit more of a throwback um, compared to maybe uh, players that we've been linked with. So, I think he'll be a lot more physical, a lot more direct, a bit Daniel Kuzan's esque uh, without comparing to previous players too much. But um, I do think he has got he's got the characteristics of what we need. The Greek lads, as I said, I've watched you and we were talking offline this morning about them. 
he looks good. He's just got something. He's got a bit of the Lewandowski's about him in terms of the way that he holds the ball, his stature, two-footed. What a lovely place between the posts. Um, he's only 23, so he's got that fantastic sell-on value. So if we were going to take a punt and throw a wee bit of money at someone, I think it would be him. Um, I think the Josh Madger one, I think someone just put a comment, comment on there. I think that one might have already have been done if um, if this the whole carry-on with Bordeaux had been resolved. So I almost feel as if Madger is potentially a backup for... Uh, or sorry, Dressers is a backup for, Mad- for Madger. Uh, the, but there's also talk that that could actually carry on for another few weeks. So we might just potentially pull the plug on that and then maybe decide to go and throw a wee bit more money at somebody else. If we were going to throw five million at Tillman, which appears to be off the table, and then we're going to get too shortly to throw the lad at um, Devukas, if that's right, uh, would be a um, would be a really interesting one. As I say, he's proved he can score goals in the Dutch league, which again, as you said earlier, is similar to ours. He's a Greek internationalist. He's two-footed. What I really like, so if anyone gets a chance, if you look at his goal against Ajax away last season, I think they went on to lose 3-1. But he was in the box with four men round him. He dropped a shoulder and buried his shot. So, um, and the last guy who came from Utrecht, Utrecht didn't do too bad either. So, I'll um, I'll be pleased with that one. But, yeah, wait and see. Uh, in terms of Fences, I'm going to be really controversial here. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. As much as I'm really positive with all the signings that we've been linked with and the guys we've signed so far, there's just something amiss with it. I, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Um, I think the fact that he... He doesn't speak English, uh, so coming over to Scotland can be a real lonely place if we've kind of seen with Alfie a wee bit. Um, so I know that was something that the, I think I heard one of the fan media from from, from New York, uh, sorry, from over there actually talking about saying it's one of the things that he did struggle with at first. Uh, but he's obviously got into it and he's obviously got, um, there's lots of Spanish people within in and around the squad, Spanish-speaking people in and around the squad. That's not something we've got en masse. Uh, I know we did recruit. Uh, we were recruiting a Spanish coach. Spanish speaking coach was applied for at the tail end of last season. Whether that was a view with him coming in or there was a young lad at Barcelona we were linked with on loan as well. Um, if this guy is playing in the MLS, I want to see him start every single game, every single week for them. And he hasn't done that over the last couple of seasons. Um, however, you put a highlight package together and he does look the path. I, I would love to be proved wrong. I've just got a weak nervousness about him. Every time I've seen him from highlights, it uh, looks the business. Um, he just that one kind of feels too good to be true uh, in terms of what we're getting. As Ian said, touched uh, linked with Brighton previously. However, uh, Nico Raskin is another example of someone that seemed too good to be true, uh, but he's showing the potential that he's ticking all them boxes and he scored two in the week as well. So yeah, um, bit mixed there, but bit round of the houses saying I'm not too sure, but hopefully I'm wrong. Yeah, I think RFC 72, as you touched upon there, JB said we'll sign Major on a three and a big outlay on another striker. I think even in an ideal scenario, that would be what I would want to see. Um, I'd, I'd like to see Josh Major in the door because wherever he's gone, um, he's scored goals. Bonos John says Rangers need to go all out for Josh Major. I, put, I agree. Roscoe141 says we need a clinical poacher. If we can't afford one from the continent, then bite the bullet and get Shankland in. I'm not quite sure about that Shankland link, if I'm honest uh, now. But in terms of the what we do um, for a striker, do you do you see the potential in that um, signing Josh Major and free, and then putting a bigger outlay on on the likes of Tassos Dubicast from from Utrecht? Uh, JB mentioned the last striker from 
Utrecht didn't really do that badly, and uh, I have to agree. I absolutely loved Michael Moles when I was when I was growing up. So um, if, if uh, David Cass could get anywhere close to that, then I would uh, I would take him in an absolute heartbeat. Yeah, I had a wee signed photo Moles like when I, as a six year old. That was my my pride possession. So all for that. Uh, Maja is one again. I'm very very keen on getting done. Um, my English team Sunderland. So. I, I have bad blood with Maja because of how he left for free and, and done that when, when someone like League One. So I know how good a player he was and I was devastated when he left Sunderland at the time. So he's also gone off to Bordeaux. He still he gets numbers, which is what, what I keep coming back to. We need numbers in this team. And he's that kind of poacher guy. He's just, I know he's just going to stand up front, but I think he's a very much a striker. He's not a number 10. He's not a winger. He's not an inside forward. He's none of this. He's a striker. Um, I was checking the other day just to, to verify my, my thinking. I think it was, um, say he's played 200 games, like 99% or so have been as a striker. He's not playing off the wings, he's not cutting in, it's all number nine. So it's a position that we struggle with. JB spoke about it. With, it's been a couple of years since we've had a reliable striker that we're all content with playing every game, every season. Um, and if he's a free, again, it goes back to how much we could make on him. He, he trained in England, so he's got that English tax again. We could make massive money on him if he does very well. He's still young. He's still got a lot of potential, a lot of growth in there. But you just hope that Bordeaux situation doesn't become a long-term thing. I've not looked in it personally. I don't know if it is going to be. But that I can see as forcing a hand, as we spoke about, and going back to um, to Dessers, the fact that we need players in. We need them ready for the Champions League games. So if the Bordeaux situation doesn't resolve itself soon, sadly... I get a bad feeling that Maja isn't going to come, but sincerely hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I think to be fair, Josh Maja, as long as we have the other striker that we've spoken about, I do think we need two in there. Um, I, I, I'm not convinced that Michael Bio is bought into Antonio Cholak, if I'm honest. So um, I think we do need two in there at least. And hopefully the other striker is then in the door and you can maybe wait another week or two for for the Josh Madger situation to to um, resolve itself. But he, Josh Madger is definitely one that I want to to see through the door. Right, we've spoken for about 55 minutes now about the incomings. Let's talk a little bit about the outgoings or the not returning um, players. JB, you spoke, you, know, you touched on slightly about the Malik Tillman situation. So I'm interested in your thoughts on that one. But also who else will be going out the door, do you think? Um, Dean Milne says... McLaughlin, Wright and Kamara got a lot of rumours to leave. Any other rumours of exits? We still have a big squad, and so hopefully Beal trims down soon. Um, in terms of exits, let's start with Malik Tillman, I guess. Going by today's reports, it, it looks like Bayern Munich have rejected Rangers' proposal. I don't know if we've tried to readjust the structure of the payments or whatever, but it looks as though we have. Um, it's not going to go ahead. What, what do you make of that first of all, and then in terms of further outgoings, who do you who do you expect to see leave Rangers this summer? Yeah, I think the Tillman one again splits the fans in terms of I think everyone could agree he's got plenty, he's got loads of ability, and I think he will be one that will go on and have a really good career. He's not like some of the uh, some of the guys we've had on loan previously, um, and then you go they look the part, but could he take that next step? So the likes of if you think of Ajaria, Ojo. Um, I'm trying to think who else was kicking around in and around that time, but there was always these lone guys that come in and you're going, oh, can they kick on? Um, Tillman, I think, showed that he had a wee bit more than that. 
Um, obviously super laid back in his on and off the pitch, it appeared. Um, I mean, one of the things, obviously 14 goals and five goal assists last year and some moments of magic, to be fair to him. However, he was probably available for most of our games, which has probably showed why his numbers were so good. Um, if we'd have had the, the likes of a Cantwell or a Dersay, even a Hadji, uh, with them type of ga- games under the belt last season, then I think we would have been looking at similar numbers. Um, but yeah, I think to uh, Hugo Bear's post there, I think he's gone. So um, yeah, probably won't spend too much time talking about him. Um, if we could get him on loan for another year, I wouldn't say no. But um, yeah, good player. Again, fit, fits that physical profile that we touched on. But if there's money to be spent, uh, I'd definitely be looking to throw that at a number nine as opposed to a um, a 10 um, that Tillman was, or was he an eight, or was he a high right? So Again, it's not what we need right now, but again, someone that we might, you, you never know, we might see further down the line. Um, and in terms of other departures, again, in terms of what you touched on, what we touched on a few times, then we've kind of mentioned all of the names. The ones I'd kind of, I'd going through my head was kind of Hadji Davis, McLaughlin, Kamara, Sholak, Scott Wright, Ravi Matondo. I don't know whether we could, a team in the championships, a Swansea or a Cardiff or something might be interesting in trying to relight his career. Um, I haven't seen very little. I think uh, other than the West Hammer home pre-season friendly uh, and Hearts away early last season, I haven't really seen anything. A uh, couple of glances. Uh, again, Sakal is ahead of Matundo for me. And then if you had all of these signings that are coming in, he's right down the pecking order. I imagine somebody who's on a good wage. And then the only other one that was potential is, uh, we haven't mentioned Leon King in terms of where he'll be. Uh, I don't think it'd be fair on the kid if we're just keeping him round to keep the Scottish quota high. Uh, you may as well step somebody up from the from the youth team if that's all that he's going to be in there for. But especially when you look at the profile of the players that we're bringing in, um, go for him to probably go out and get some really good minutes in a decent division, either top flight of Scotland or a, or, or a League One in England would probably be my view on that. Um, but yeah, um, they're obviously, and obviously the big five that left as well. Um, they will be missed and uh, don't underestimate the impact these type of guys are probably having in the possession room. So your Kent, your McGregor's, your Arfields, um, obviously not necessarily the impact Holanda would have had in the uh, the, the, the injury treatment table. I'm sure his banter was great. Uh, and obviously Scotty Arfield as well. Um, so yeah, big characters gone there. So interesting. Yeah, plenty of names mentioned by JB there. Ian RFC72 says Sakala, I think, will leave, and also Leon King with Man U, Newcastle, and stuff after him. Uh, Barisic, Kamara, Wright, Davies, Cholak, Matondo can all go. Um, can I get your thoughts on the Malik Tillman situation as well, first of all, and then on to who, who you think will be seen leaving um, out the front door this summer? Yeah, um, I'd like to split the room and say that I'd buy Tillman right now. Um, I still think he's had an incredible season, considering his age, the fact he hadn't played first-team football before us. Um, I just think the potential is sky-high with him. If it's £5 million, all for it. Uh, I think I said at the end of a podcast last year, I would try and sell Hadji to facilitate Tillman coming in. Um, I, I mentioned before, I don't think Hadji has much of a future here with the type of players that are signing, sort of matching what he would do for the club. We all know that Hadji we can get money for, so Tillman, I think, gives us that good versatility. Obviously, mentioned we don't quite know his best position, which might be a detriment to him, but I mean, he's, he's like 21, if that. He's only just turned 21 kind of thing, so he will find his best role. He will continue to get numbers for us. 
my problem there is I don't think he wants to come. I just don't know. I, I get that vibe from not only our chat, but like Twitter in general. I think he could be doing more to say like, oh, I want to be there. It's just need to let the club sort it out. Maybe he's just very well media trained, which you probably do get at Bayern. He just keeps tight-lipped and then no noise would make people think he's not interested. So there could be a degree of that to it. But the fact that we've had that bid rejected would make me think that he does want to come. I mean, I don't know why we would keep plugging away and putting bids in if, if there was no interest on that side. So, well, we've just done it like installments and tried to be a bit clever, a bit funny with it and Bayern aren't having it. Obviously, there's, there's rumours about Brighton and Brentford wanting them as well. So, they're probably going to pay a lot more than we're going to pay. So, I can see Bayern, if they don't have to say yes, they're not going to. So, we just need to see how that one rumbles on a little bit. Um, Exit-wise, just sort of shadow which IB said, to be honest. Um, I want Kamara out for a start. Matondo, I don't think we will get enough interest in to let go. I mean, you never know. We make a loan back to Wales, I guess, would make a bit of sense as well for his, his own future. But he's that far down the pecking order now. I don't really see what he brings to the squad. Hopefully I'm wrong again. Um, the only one I would mention, I would probably let Barisic go because I, I think Yilmaz needs us to say, look, you're the future. You are our first choice left back. On you go, whereas Barisic looming over him, the first bad game he almost has, people say put Barisic back in, and I think he has ran his race with us a little bit. He's also one of the players I think we can get good money for still. I mean, he's he's involved in a Nations League final, sort of, right now. That sort of, sort of stuff won't go unnoticed. His assist numbers won't go unnoticed. I think we could get a few million for him, hopefully. Um, but again, it just depends if the interest is there. Um, my only worry with certain departures, as we've kind of touched on, is I don't think Leon King would leave. I don't think Scott Wright will leave because of that Scottish thing. We left, we lost Arfield, lost McGregor, a couple more could be going. So I think we'll see them stick around just for convenience more than anything. But beyond that, I don't think there's anyone I'd want to leave that hasn't been mentioned already. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I'm also alongside you on the Borna Barisic um, train on that one. Uh, I think his, like I said earlier, I think his time at Rangers has come is coming to an end in terms of cycle, and we can still recoup a bit of money for him. Um, and as we've got a ready-made backup or re- someone who's ready-made, I think to at least have a crack at, at being our starting left back there in, in Red Van Yilmaz, and we've paid enough money for him that um, whether we've paid that for his potential of what he can be in the future, or whether we've paid that for what he is now. Um, guess that's still for us to see. I thought he had some really positive performances at the, the towards the end of last season and he, he did enough for me for us to put our trust in him, at least for the start of next season, to show us what he's got. Um right, the reason why we were talking so much about or in such positive light about getting our business done early was because we do have the, the Champions League qualifiers coming up and we'll round off the podcast with, with this discussion on a potential route to get there. Um, JB, I'll come to you first of all. I'll lay out what it's looking like at this moment in time. So we are seeded um, and will be seeded for both the third qualifying round and the playoff round. Um, in, the, in the third qualifying round, we can be drawn against one of four teams. Um, so we can be drawn against Genk from Belgium, Sturm Graz from Austria, Dnipro from Ukraine and Baka Topola from Serbia. Um, I, th- I believe Baka Topola just sold um, their main striker, Petar Ratkov, to RB Leipzig. 
um, today. Um, so they, I'd imagine they are significantly weaker now, considering he's, I think he scored about 40 goals or he made 40 goal contributions last season for them. So they, I think they will be significantly weaker mm. off the back of that one. Um, should all the seeded teams go through to the playoff round, uh, we can we will be able to play PSV, who obviously we knocked out at the start of last season, or Marseille. Um, that that um, I guess we've got a long history with Marseille, don't we? On that, that would be an interesting one as well. JB, what do you make of of that potential? It's it, it looks it's always going to be a difficult route to get into the Champions League, but it does look look like it's going to live up to that, doesn't it? Yeah, no, really difficult um, in terms of the what you'd class probably as a assuming obviously we we get through the, the first set of fixtures now that is quite significant getting through that first uh, that first round because there's a there's a big financial payment to get to the playoff round I think it's around four or five million in red so to get back first and foremost would be fantastic uh, we've got to aim for the best and I've read a lot of people saying oh I'd love to get back to the Thursday nights. I'll get back to the Thursday nights if we can finish third in the Champions League group. Um, this is going to be our last chance to kind of do that journey. Uh, but for me, I think we've just got to be on it. Um, then, then games against potentially, as you say, Marseille or PSV, it, it's just going to take two massive performances, isn't it? Um, I actually thought the game was out of reach after the two-all draw against PSV um, at home. But then the players obviously stood up and then a wee bit of luck on the night and we took our chance. I think like this time last year we were talking about it was either I think it was Monaco or PSV. Um so yeah, a different challenge in Marseille. But Marseille would definitely be interesting, as you say, a bit of, bit of history there and um not that we need any extra incentive, but um but a Marseille fixture would be nice. And again, that's assuming that both of them teams get through their groups. Uh, we know we, we see shocks um in the we know better than anyone uh the shocks can appear early on in european qualification so um yeah take each time as it comes but again as long as we um as long as we're up for it or and i don't think we're going to be in this position it's not going to be a case of well what if we weren't ready um i think we'll have a good we'll have a strong squad assembled i think the way we went into that malmo game a couple of years ago you could just see that we weren't ready we weren't up for it there was a couple of missing pieces of the jigsaw that we desperately needed um alfredo morelos again was a probably a couple of stone overweight um i remember watching him in that malmo at home game i think he actually did get on the end of a decent head to be fair but looked as if he was really struggled and really needed match practice to get going again don't think he featured that much in the pre-season so yeah, a good strong pre-season and give it a right good go. That's all we can ask. Um, the Europa League won't be a bad consolation prize, uh, but we know where we want to be and where we need to be is in the in the big competition. So yeah, yeah. Ian, as JB said, we've uh, heard a lot of people saying they'd, they'd enjoy a return to Rangers Thursdays. Um, I think that's more of a, a scar tissue from last year's group stage in the Champions League than than anything else. How important is it? financially for us to to reach the Champions League given that Celtic are in there straight away after winning the league and even making just making that playoff round and making that extra four or five million pounds as JB pointed to how important is that and, and what do you make of the potential teams that we can come up against in, the, in those two rounds? Yeah it's, it's absolutely massive that in the Champions League um, there's already a financial disparity between us and them so Expanding that is just not worth discussing, to be honest. Um, I can imagine they'll spend big, obviously, with, with their new manager coming in and stuff. So 
we need to be on par with with having the power to do the same. So being there is the main thing. Europa was fun, probably the time of our lives um, for, for guys my age. So it was a lot of fun. And as JB said, if we finish third in the Champions League and go that way, everyone's happy. But name-wise, that third qualifying round doesn't scare me too much. I'm probably being arrogant there. Um, also, we saw what happened last year with USG. They were very close to, to causing a shock of their own. We had to be right at it at Ibrox that night. Um, but the teams mentioned the third qualifying, not too scary. PSV, I know we've sort of managed to deal with them, but they are a good side, so that could be a bit of a 50-50. Marseille is probably the one that does scare me a little bit, to be honest. I just feel like they are Champions League level, to be honest. I know they're going through a lot of changes just now. A couple of comments about they're losing a lot of players. Pretty sure they're either lost, just lost a manager, they've just gained a the manager. There's certainly changed there, so... It just goes back to we have to get our business done now and try and take advantage of any team who doesn't. And we can we all know what happens at Ibrox on a, a Champions League or European night. We can pretty much beat anybody, I would say. So it could come down to beating them at Ibrox, doing a job away from home kind of thing, same as last year. I don't know if it works. Are we are we away from home first then if we're seeded? Is that how that goes? Is that I, I think I've got a, I've got a feeling there's an open draw. On it, I don't think it. I don't think it's confirmed. The second game gets confirmed before we play the first game. So okay. um, yeah, I think it's an open draw. Whichever comes out first, we might need a bit of luck in that sense. Then obviously you want to be at home in the second game if it goes to extra time and stuff. So we need a few things to fall in our favour. But the caveat to all that is that I don't think any team would fancy drawing us, which is always a nice little bonus. I mean, what we done um, to get to the final didn't go unnoticed. Um, and again, qualifying last year, albeit once qualifying, didn't quite go to plan. Um, but again, nobody wants to draw Rangers. Everyone knows what Ibrox is like, so we need to try and get that fear factor going again. And hopefully we can do just that. Yeah, absolutely. I think getting into the Champions League is, is absolutely vital for us this season. And uh, just from a financial perspective, and if, if we are honest, I think... The financial reasons are the only reasons why we why we want to be in the Champions League. I think from a um, from a competitive aspect, from a football aspect, you'd probably rather be in the, in the Europa League because you can see yourself going toe to toe with the teams at that level. That's a that's a that's a huge gap as we've seen, or a huge gulf as we've seen between the teams in the Europa League and the teams in the Champions League. Um, and uh, but you would hope as well that Michael Beale is building a team and we um, that can at least show show up much better than we did last season and obviously the, the level of injuries that we had last season can't be forgotten on that one um as well so so fingers crossed there um so we'll just round off the podcast with that thank you very much everyone for listening ian thank you very much for joining us no a pleasure as always cheers guys and jb good to see you again and, and looking forward to many more podcasts this season yeah, you too, mate. And just a happy Father's Day to certainly my dad and all the Rangers dads and granddads out there. And uh, a massive well done to Graham Souness for the uh, charity swim across the channel they've done this morning as well. Uh, fantastic achievement for a fantastic cause. So, yeah. Absolutely. An absolutely epic effort from Graham Souness. Uh, definitely not one that I would be take, ever see myself taking on. Uh, can barely swim the length of myself, never mind across the channel. So um, so very well done to, to Graham Souness for that one. And happy Father's Day, of course, to all the fathers out there. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. If you have enjoyed the podcast, please remember to to like the video. It really does help us. Leave a wee comment as well if there's any, any points that, that you've uh, agreed with or disagreed with and 
and keep the discussion going there. Uh, please remember to like and subscribe uh, to the TII YouTube channel and you'll get a wee notification every time we, we schedule a live podcast or we upload some some uh, additional video content as well. Uh, in terms of what's coming up, we've got Kyle uh, back with um, Andy uh, and some of the team on Wednesday night. So make sure you tune in to that one as we continue our build up towards the new season. We're getting closer and closer to the, the players coming back for pre-season training and then we can really, really get into, get our teeth into what will be an ex hopefully an exciting pre-season, an exciting season for everyone at Rangers. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And until next time, goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.